are listening to Lighthearted, the official podcast of the U.S. Lighthouse Society. My name is Jeremy Dontremont. Welcome. We are recording on a beautiful spring-like day on February 24th, 2020, and this is episode 50 of Lighthearted. And I am here with Cindy Johnson and Michelle Jewell Shaw, my two co-hosts who have co-hosted between the two of them almost every episode of the 50 episodes of Lighthearted we've done so far. And we are here in the living room studio at uh, the Bluefish Boulevard Recording Studios here in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. And it's so great to have you here with me today, Cindy and Michelle. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, Jeremy. I'm happy to be here. I'm really excited about our 50th episode. Hi, Jeremy. I'm happy to be here as well. This is pretty exciting stuff doing our 50th episode today. Yeah. And today's going to be a little bit different than the usual episode because it's just the three of us today. We're going to have a discussion of uh, a couple of different subjects, actually a few different subjects we're going to talk about today. We are going to talk about a little bit about our background, maybe give our listeners a little bit uh, of background about the three of us and how we got interested in lighthouses. Uh, all three of us are involved with Friends of Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouses, uh, which is a chapter of the American Lighthouse Foundation that takes care of two local lighthouses here in the Portsmouth area. Uh, so we'll talk about that and how we got involved and what we do with that organization. We're also going to talk about the podcast, how we feel it's gone so far. So those are some of the subjects we'll be talking about today. So it is going to be quite different than the usual episode of Lighthearted today. So, yes. Did you want to say something, oh, Cindy? Oh, no, just I'm ready. Michelle, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. All right. All right. I'm not sure if I'm ready, but we're going to start anyway. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. My first question is how did you first get interested in lighthouses? And I'll, uh, I guess I'll help uh, break the ice a little bit by uh, trying to answer that question first, okay? And I'll try not to be too long-winded here. I was fascinated by the ocean, I would say, before I, I got interested in lighthouses. I grew up near Boston in Lynn, Massachusetts, on the North Shore of Boston. And uh, when I was growing up, uh, circa 1960s, I used to look out at the ocean, and I was just fascinated by it. I, was, I, I thought I wanted to be a marine biologist. But I also used to look out and see this island called Egg Rock off of Lynn Beach. I didn't know that there had been a lighthouse there. It was there long before I was born. It uh, actually fell into the ocean, basically, in the 1920s. But I was fascinated by that island, and it just intrigued me. And uh, in the 1960s and 70s, I used to always uh, see this uh, man named Edward Rowe Snow, very popular historian. I used to see him on TV and hear him on radio. And he would tell stories of shipwrecks and pirates and lighthouses. And I loved hearing his stories. He was a very great, he was a great storyteller, had a great voice, very charismatic. And I got to meet him a couple of times, once at a book signing and once on a tour in Boston Harbor. My stepfather, who was from Winthrop, Mass., his family knew Edward Rowe Snow's family. He was also from Winthrop. So it was Edward Rowe Snow's influence that had a lot to do with me developing an interest in lighthouses. 
later in the 80s, I lived in Winthrop, Mass., and I, did a, I produced a series of videos about Edward Rose Snow and the things he wrote about. So to make a long story long, <laughs> it was really a combination of where I lived on the coast near Boston, near Boston Harbor, and Edward Rose Snow's influence, also my own stepfather, who was descended from sea captains and shipbuilders in Maine. It was a, those are some of the influences that got me interested in the lighthouses. All right, who wants to go next? Um, this is Michelle. I guess as a kid, as same as you, Jeremy, I grew up along the ocean. I lived in Dover, and every summer we spent at York Beach um, with my mom, and I would bring friends along. It was always the ocean that I loved, and then that love kind of turned into my one of my favorite things was to you know take the trolley ride up to the Nubble Light and just you know watch the light go on and off, and then it was probably five years ago now that um, I just fell in love with lighthouses all over again, started photographing them and things like that, and then it was was it three years ago now that I met you both at the Spring Fling. At least. Yeah. I think it was, it was just three? three years ago. Yeah. And that's when I met you guys and signed up to be a volunteer at the lighthouse. And, and the rest is history. And we're glad you history. did. <laughs> yeah. How about you, Cindy? Pretty much the same to start as far as being near the ocean. I'm not originally from New England, though, but everywhere I've lived in the country has been near the coast. I've always really liked uh, the ocean being near the ocean. For me, it was about about 20 years ago. And when I uh, first really started looking at lighthouses and wanting to visit lighthouses and learn more about them, being a New Englander now, it's one of the things that made me fall in love with New England, I'd say, is the um, I love the charm and the history of New England. And for me, lighthouses are such a big part of that. And then of course, I got involved um with the Friends of Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouses uh, about six years ago. But I've, I've kind of had a thing for lighthouses for, I'd say, about 20 years. My next question is actually, what led you to become involved with Friends mm. of Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouses? And you both kind of already answered that. For Michelle, it was uh, attending that uh, event we had three years ago, the so-called Spring Fling that we have every April. For you, Cindy, it was... I think for you me, had- it was actually you. Uh oh. Yeah, I went. <laughs> oh, I attended one of your lectures. My stepdad saw um, my stepdad who lives in Newmarket, New Hampshire, and I was living near the Lee Traffic Circle at the time in Barrington, New Hampshire, really close um, close to Newmarket. He saw a little um, ad in the local coffee news about someone speaking about lighthouses in Lee, New Hampshire, coming up and asked me if I'd like to go, and I was I said sure, and it was one of your lectures. And I remembered uh, meeting you briefly several years before that in, I'd say, probably 2003, when Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse was open to the public for tours just sort of sporadically, maybe once a month during the summer. And you were the tour guide up in the Lantern Room. So I actually met you, and I just remembered you as Jeremy, um, last name that started with a D that was hard to pronounce that I couldn't quite remember. (laughs) That was the sort of... uh, lighthouse guru of of New England. And from then on, anything lighthouse related that I needed to that I wanted to look up, I would just sort of Google you and um, like look at your website to read up about lighthouses. But yeah, it wasn't until several years later, like I said, about six years ago, that I attended a lecture of yours. And during that lecture, you mentioned the need for volunteers at Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse. And that was it for me. The first time that I toured Portsmouth Harbor Light was, it'll be four years ago in June. Okay. And I just thought it was the greatest thing that there were volunteers here. You could go and you could learn all about the lighthouse. And so I had decided that 
you know, that next year I would love to try to volunteer. I found out about the Spring Fling and met you guys. And Bob Trapani actually introduced me to you both. I had met Bob when he gave me a tour up at Owl's Head uh-huh. that, that during that winter. Yeah. So For people who might not know, Bob is the executive director of the American Lighthouse Foundation, good friend of all of us. Yeah. yeah. And then you won volunteer, the, our Volunteer of the Year Award. Well, both of you have won that award. We, yes, after our after our uh, first seasons, we each won yes. the yep Volunteer of the Year award. Yeah, uh, I just want to mention that the first time I ever saw well, I'm not sure that the first time I saw Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse, but the first time I saw it up close was circa I would say it was in the 80s. I'm not sure of the year exactly, but maybe around 87 or something like that. My wife Charlotte and I uh, were went to Newcastle, and I think believe we went to the park there, Great Island Common, and at low tide, we walked all the way from the park along the shore to the lighthouse. And you can't do that now because the Coast Guard will stop you. Yeah. But at the time, nobody said anything, and we walked wow. all the way to the lighthouse. And at that time, the foundation hadn't uh, been restored. That was done in the late 90s. So the the concrete foundation of the lighthouse was all broken up and there were weeds growing all around it. It was in horrible shape. But we were there by ourselves and the lighthouse itself was all rusty. And uh, that was my first visit to Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse over 30 years ago. Wow. Little did I know <laughs> it would become my, my second home, basically. Yeah. Uh, but then, uh, at the time, we still lived in Massachusetts, but I, we moved to Portsmouth in uh, 2000, 2000? 2001. <laughs> I'm, I'm having a, a senior moment here, and I can't think of whether it was 2000 or 2001. But the American Lighthouse Foundation got a license to care for Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse in the year 2000. And in uh, 2001, I founded the Friends of Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse as a chapter of the American Lighthouse Foundation. And that's how I got involved with, with uh, the group. And then later it became Friends of Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouses, plural, when we took over the care of Whaleback Lighthouse as well. So we're almost 20 years old. Uh, yeah, well, this is the 20th season for the organization. Oh, wow. Yep. Yeah. So, but I guess next year would be considered the 20th anniversary, and next year will also be the 250th anniversary of Portsmouth Harbor Light Station, oh, which wow. yeah. was established in 1771 as yep. the first lighthouse north of Boston. So we're going to have to do some celebrating next year Absolutely. for sure. That's right. Absolutely. Uh, so let me ask you both: uh, What is your favorite part of the work you do uh, at Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse, especially at the uh, the open houses we have there? Who wants to start? I think my favorite part is just teaching people the history of the lighthouse and seeing how excited they get learning something new. The most favorite thing is when I see a child come that is excited to learn about the lighthouse and. They love lighthouses, and I always try to remember to give them a sticker that says, I climbed the lighthouse and things like that. But yeah, just meeting all of the different people from all over the world, literally all over the world that come to see us, that's pretty. That's a pretty great feeling at the end of the day. For me, I, um, I mean, I, I have to agree with all of that for sure, but I really enjoy working with all of you guys. I enjoy working yeah. with people who are sort of as uh, lighthouse nuts as much as I am. So I th- I I'd have to say that's one of my favorite parts of it is just being around people who like like-minded people, people who are into lighthouses as much as I am. We laugh a lot. Oh yeah, yeah. we have a great time. Yeah, we do. 
Yeah, I can't improve on everything both of you just said. <laughs> but again, I agree so much with what you said, Michelle. When we get groups of people sometimes from different Asian countries or European countries or from all parts of the U.S., and these people are just so into hearing about it, and then we, you know, we we give a little bit more of a historic tour than they do at some lighthouses. I mean, there are other places that do similar tours, but at some lighthouses, they'll just uh, let people up and down and and not give too much of a tour. But we we give some history. It takes about twenty minutes to a half hour for our our tour in the lighthouse. We get so many people who leave and say that was a that was just great. Yeah. Was such a great tour, and that's so nice to hear. And uh, when people get really something out of it, it's just it's very rewarding. But I I agree with you that to get people from all over who you know appreciate it so much, it's yeah. a, it's a nice feeling. Interacting with the visitors, it's definitely yeah. Um, oh yeah. I mean, it can be a challenge at times, but yeah, uh, it's it's definitely um, yeah. it feels really good. And I always try to ask people from around the world, well, how do you say lighthouse in your language? <laughs> yeah. And so I'm learning how to say lighthouse in a yeah. lot of different languages. I and thought to ask that. I'll yeah. have to ask yeah. that. Sometime. That's yeah. that's good. Yeah. And again, to yeah, you know, to get kids who some of the kids ask such great questions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, some pretty good friendships too. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What's your least favorite part of the work you do at Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse? Oh, that 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 one's pretty easy for me, actually. Okay. For me, well, just as operations manager, it's just really my, the biggest challenge for me is scheduling volunteers because we can't pay them. So we need a certain number of people in order to run our open houses and other events. But we, you know, there's nothing in the budget. They are volunteers. So uh, just sort of scrambling to make sure we have enough people to run smoothly, run properly. Uh, For me, that's the biggest challenge. And maybe I, you know, I I might say it's my least favorite part, just because it's a bit of a stressor every week, making sure that we have enough people to, to run it and run it well. Michelle, do you have an answer for that? I can't think of anything that I don't like about the lighthouse. Oh, oh come on. But I'm sure you've thought really hard. I think I've only had a couple of grumpy people, but, yeah. you know, that can be difficult if you get somebody who's, it's hot and they've been waiting for a little bit to get a tour and they're kind of not, they're maybe a little rude, but I just smile and go with it. Right. And with every one of those people, you know, we get 50 to 100 happy, happy people. people. So. Yeah, yeah. For me, the hardest part is fundraising, just asking for money and having to figure out how mm-hmm. we're going to pay for the the work that's needed. That's I, I just I, I don't enjoy that, yeah. and that's a constant struggle. Mm-hmm. It, but more so for the other lighthouse, we take care of Whaleback Lighthouse. With Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse is, for the most part, self sustaining with the money we bring in from open houses and from the cruises we do. We work with Granite State Whale Watch out of Rye, New Hampshire and do fundraising cruises. We do various other events and it's it's pretty much self-sustaining. We're able to pay for the painting of the lighthouse every few years and for other projects that need to be done for the most part. But Whaleback Lighthouse is a much bigger project and we're, it's it's tough to figure out where, where the money's going to come from. And that for me is by far the hardest mm-hmm. part. What do you think the average visitor expects from a visit to Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse? And part two of that question is, do you think most of them leave satisfied? I think that most visitors expect, I don't think their expectations are that high. I think they're excited to see a lighthouse and be at a lighthouse. And, you know, when they find out that they get to actually go inside and climb up to the top top of it, they're pretty excited. Um, But 
I find for the most part, we really exceed any expectations. Generally speaking, they come down from the tour so surprised at at how much they learned and how interesting it was. And that even though it was educational, it was never boring. That they just, they learned a lot and it was really, it was just the whole thing was just really neat. I have to agree with you on that one too. There's at least a couple of people in every group that I get, you know, thanking me. Wow, that was great. Thank you for all, you know, and they also thank us for donating our time. You know, thank you for doing this, you know, for having this, giving us this opportunity to come here and learn about the lighthouse and see the lighthouse. But as you said, I don't think they have any real expectations. And I do think that they leave very happy with the experience that they were given at the lighthouse. What do you think are the biggest challenges facing lighthouse preservation organizations today? Money. Money. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. In one word, money. money. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that pretty much sums it up, and, and uh, it's hard to disagree with that. But, well, I think there's, there, for me, there's three three things that come to mind. Money is, is one of those big three. Another one is uh, getting enough volunteers to keep things going. Uh, and the other one is uh, climate change and rising sea levels. I think, you know, many uh, lighthouses, and not just on the, the, uh, the ocean uh, coast, you know, our east and west coasts, but... Uh, we're seeing it in the Great Lakes with rising water levels. The Lake Michigan, Lake Superior have record uh, levels at this point, and there's a lot of erosion going on uh, with uh, record rainfall. Uh, I think we're going to see a lot more of that in the coming years from all uh, the way all predictions look. It's a problem that we're going to have to face, and especially with some of the, the uh, lighthouses that are out in the ocean on rocks and uh, some of the lighthouses in, in the sandy shores, places like Cape Cod, uh, some of the more uh, sandy islands and so forth. You know, it's uh, we're kidding ourselves if we think we're not going to be dealing with that uh, more and more in the coming years. I just thought of the Outer Banks of North Carolina, too, when you yeah. said that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, Cape Hatteras light was moved uh, in the late 90s, but uh, they're saying now that the keeper's houses and some of the, the uh, Outer Banks lighthouses are severely threatened mm. currently. And uh, it's going to be, it's not, it's, the problem's not going to go away. It's going to be uh, something, it's going to be dire in the coming years. Mm. But Cindy, I guess you had the same same uh, ideas. I your- did, yes, um, about climate change, definitely. Probably because um, we've talked a little bit about it before. I've definitely heard you talk about it, especially when it comes to Whaleback Lighthouse. Um, yeah. And then, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, that's okay. No, yeah, I mean, we're dealing with it. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the obviously a, a lighthouse like Whaleback is on, on rock rather than sand, and the rocks aren't wearing away in the same way that the lighthouses in sandy locations, you know, the way that type of uh, environment is wearing away. Mm-hmm. But the water level is rising, and that's affecting the structures themselves. Right. Uh, and we're seeing more and more severe storms that are affecting the structures, uh, I'm definitely seeing uh, a difference in, in recent years with storms that are, are hitting these, broadsiding these <laughs> these structures more often. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> so the other point that you brought up, um, I also had written down, which was the need for volunteers. I think a lot of that is because, well, in general, any sort of little nonprofit organization, there's always a need for volunteers. 
But I think that a lot of people believe that the government pays for the preservation of lighthouses. So, right? So they don't think that uh, lighthouse preservation is something that needs attention just from the general public, uh, volunteer-wise, money-wise. They think that, oh, the Coast Guard or the just the government or some entity takes care of that so we don't have to worry about it. So I think a lot of people just don't know that um, it really does take friends of, and you know, these kinds of little nonprofit organizations to, to save lighthouses. I think that people just don't realize that. I think you're absolutely right. I hear uh, and see uh, like on social media and so forth, people Still, it surprises me when I see this, but I see people expressing surprise that, oh, I thought the Coast Guard was taking care of lighthouses. Mm -hmm. We love the Coast Guard. The Coast Guard does so much for us. I can't say enough good about the Coast Guard. The Co and as far as lighthouses and ACE navigation go, uh, the Coast Guard is still caring for the lights and fog signals um, for the, the lighthouses that are still active ACE in navigation. The Coast Guard is taking care of that equipment. But the Coast Guard, the budget is stretched very thin. They don't have the money to take care of the actual historic structures. Right. So that's why organizations like us, like the U.S. Lighthouse Society, like the American Lighthouse Foundation, like so many uh, organizations around the country are taking care of these structures now. Uh, so, like you said, uh, people need to realize that. And if people love lighthouses, they need to support these organizations, both, uh, both in terms of money and as volunteers. Let's talk about this podcast. This is the 50th episode. As, as 50th official episode, we've also done a few special editions. I believe it's up to about 53 or 54 episodes, if you count those special editions. Each of you has co-hosted almost half the episodes so far. And I definitely feel that you've both made an important contribution. I'd like to expand your roles going forward. Uh, we're expand I'm expanding your roles today by doing this special episode uh, today. How do you feel about how the podcast has gone so far? I think it's gone really well. I know I enjoy listening to them every week. It's still a little weird for myself to hear, you know, my voice being recorded and whatnot. But I think it's a great way for people to learn more about lighthouses. People that didn't know exactly what goes into the preservation of lighthouses and the people that are behind that preservation. So it's a great way for people to learn about it. I agree. So I'd never done anything like this before. So, like Michelle said, it was kind of weird to hear. It's kind of weird to hear her voice. For me, it was. it's more about the actual recording. I, I hadn't... Um, I feel I feel pretty good about how we sound, but doing the actual recording, it just was something totally out of my comfort zone that I hadn't done before. So over time, over the, all these episodes, I've just gotten more and more comfortable. Oh, so right, so I'm just I'm really I'm just really happy with how it's gone, and um, it's it's fun. Um, maybe a little nerve wracking at first, and it, it's just gotten a lot more fun. Um, and it's this really cool opportunity to be involved in this podcast all about lighthouses that just sort of fell in my lap because of Jeremy. Okay. Uh, so I was just really happy to, to jump right in. Well, thank you both for everything you've done. And, you know, I've gotten more comfortable with it, too. I had a little bit of radio experience before. I had done some radio live radio of, comedy yeah. back in the the 80s and uh, a little bit of other stuff here and there but you know I've gotten I hadn't done anything in a long time 
and I've gotten more comfortable as it's gone as it's gone along. And at the beginning of this, which was just what like eight months ago, it hasn't been that long. I think it was we start. Yeah, I think about May. Well, the we first started recording. Yeah, started recording. The first episode premiered June first. I wouldn't have been comfortable doing what we're doing right now at the beginning of this, and I don't think either of you would have been either. <laughs> no, it's nice to have a well written script yes. written by Jeremy to go by instead of just yeah. Yeah. You know, usually we, you, most of what we do is scripted, although there's a little room for improvisation here and there, but today's the most improvisational one we've ever done. We right. did the discussion of the movie The Lighthouse, which was largely improvised, mm-hmm. Yeah. But so it's fun doing this kind of thing. Yeah, but, I, but, I'm, but I'm still glad it's not live. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think I'm ready for no, live. Yeah. <laughs> Having done live radio in the past, I'll tell you, it's pretty nerve-wracking. Yeah. Oh, I've also, I've learned a lot doing these. I've learned a lot from you, Jeremy, and from um, all of the people that you've interviewed for yeah. the episodes. Yeah. We've learned so much. Um, so have I. It's, so it's like, it's super interesting. That's yeah. That's like this added bonus of learning a lot. Yeah. Oh, I, I feel the same way so mm-hmm. much. And quite a few of the people I've interviewed are people I've known for a long time. But even from them, I've learned an awful lot. And stuff I didn't know about them as people, and but talked about uh, subjects that you know I've learned so much more about. But uh, and I've also gotten to I've gotten to know new friends. I feel I've mm-hmm. gotten to make new friends in the lighthouse world. So it's it's been a really great experience for me. Uh, what have been some of your favorite episodes we've done? Well, what the one you just mentioned, our discussion of the film The Lighthouse, mm-hmm. that was definitely one of my favorites. Maybe because the format was sort of like this, where we just. Uh, discussed it was also because we we saw the movie together right so yep. we, we all we went to the movie theater together we saw the movie together and then we all thought about it and we just had a discussion like this about it so i that was that was a lot of fun and then i also really like the episodes that aren't that are sort of not directly related to lighthouses as far as someone who works for a lighthouse preservation organization uh, some examples are the children's book author Sophie Blackall. That was such a great interview. And um, recently with living history performer Joseph Smith. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoy the episodes like that where there's just sort of more indirectly related to lighthouses. Right. It's sort of a different angle mm-hmm. on lighthouses. Yeah. Michelle? My most recent favorite was the one... Um, with Jeremy Richardson and Miriam Davidson because I got to be a part of that yep, interview. Yep. Um, and I knew them and, you know, the was familiar with the lighthouse. So that was kind of neat. But if I had to narrow down, I don't think I could because I just like all of them. Mm-hmm. Well, again, uh, it's hard for me to narrow down, but I, I agree with your, what you're saying, Cindy. It's fun. It's fun. Uh, I try to mix it up. You know, I want to include a lot of people in the lighthouse preservation world. I think that's really important, but I try to mix it up with people who are looking at lighthouses from other angles as well, including uh, actors, you know, living history performers, children's book authors, authors of other kinds as as well. And I just had a couple of swimmers who swam to raise money for lighthouse preservation. So it's fun uh, trying to figure out different angles on, on lighthouses. Uh, and I'm um, thinking of uh, musicians who've written songs about lighthouses, you know, and uh, if people have ideas for other ways of looking at lighthouses and people I might be able to, we might be able to interview in future episodes of this podcast, I invite them to email me at jeremy at org. Please do. 
Do either of you have any ideas for subject or interviews for future episodes that you'd like to mention at this point? Actually, well, sort of what you were just saying about people that are have like a different perspective on lighthouses, people that um, you just said, uh, musicians. And so uh, I was thinking maybe photographers. Yeah. People like Michelle. There is People something who in love the works. To photograph lighthouses. Oh, good. Yeah, actually you have something in the works. We may have a recurring feature starting pretty soon with a guest photographer who will talk about photo tips. Oh, cool. Uh, I think uh, both of you may know who I'm talking about, Mike Leonard, mm-hmm. who we've worked with. We've done events with him and had him on, on a cruise with us. Uh, and uh, that is in the works right now to have uh, an occasional feature with photo tips from Mike Leonard. Oh, that'd be cool. Fun. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So but I we may guess. have other photographers as well as guests, which is something I'm also thinking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe you could be part of that, Michelle. <laughs> since, maybe. Yeah. I was think thinking photographers, maybe even artists. You know, yes. painters oh, or different yes, type definitely. different types of art. That's um, a good idea. Related to. <clears throat> Uh, definitely all about lighthouses, but yeah, photographers, artists, painters, that mm-hmm. that kind of thing. I've thought about doing a segment on Edward Hopper, the great American mm. artist who a lot of his work featured lighthouses, mm-hmm. maybe have an art critic to talk about Edward Hopper's work on mm-hmm. uh, you know his paintings of lighthouses. My other idea was Alcatraz. That is, uh, the U.S. Lighthouse Society is actually involved in the in restoration of uh, Alcatraz Lighthouse. Great. I, I just, um, I was, I'm originally from the Bay Area of California, so outside of San Francisco. And about 10 years ago, I did the tour of Alcatraz. And even though I've traveled quite a bit, and I've gone on a lot of tours, uh, touring Alcatraz was one of the, my favorite tours that I've ever been on in my life. Um, it was incredible. And I love to learn more about the lighthouse there. And mm-hmm. I'm sure, other, you know, other people would like that. Too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I definitely want to feature the Alcatraz lighthouse. I did the tour of Alcatraz prison in 2015. Mm-hmm. And I, it may be my favorite tour anywhere I've ever done. Oh, it was so crowded. <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah, but it always is, I'm sure. But I don't re- it, I don't. I think that um, because it's it's this audio, as you know, it's this audio yeah, tour. Really well done. So well done. Um, and you're hearing uh, former guards, former prisoners talking to you through this tour. You can sync up with the people you're with so that you're on the same um, part of the tour. For me, I think I was so wrapped up in the tour world and what I was listening to that I I don't think I even noticed all the people around me. It was an amazing tour, and uh, I think that's a great idea for a future episode. But it would be mainly about the lighthouse, but we'd have to touch on... Actually, there's some overlap between the history of the lighthouse and the prison, for sure. Yeah. Let me ask you something I've been thinking a lot about. I mean, when when I started the podcast... I my goal was within say the first year to have the listenership up into the thousands. That was I didn't have a specific number in mind, but that's what kind of what I was hoping for. At this point, we've done like I said, we've done a little over 50 episodes if you count the special editions and we've had gotten about uh at this moment, which is we're talking on February 24th. We've had about 15,000 downloads, 15,000 uh listens at this point, which is an average of about 300 people listening to each episode. So basically, it's about 200 to 400 people listening to each episode. 
lately about two-thirds of the people listening are listening to the entire episode, which I think is, is good. It used to be kind of the other way around, where most people were not listening to the whole episode, but I can actually see statistics that tell me how many people are listening to the whole thing. And from from what I read, you know, that's not bad for kind of a niche podcast that's devoted to a, a what's considered a niche subject like Lighthouse's. You know, we're not NPR. It's not like uh, some, you know, something with a huge company or organization behind it like that, where you're going to get millions or even tens of thousands of listeners. That's never going to be the case. So my question is: Is it realistic to think we can ever get thousands of listeners, or is it okay to only have the, you know, hundreds of listeners to each episode of the podcast and you know, uh, I think we're getting we, the listeners we are getting are a lot of people in the lighthouse world. I get really good feedback from people who are involved in lighthouse preservation. A lot of people with lighthouse organizations who love it uh, and tell me they're really enjoying it, and that's great to hear. I really appreciate hearing from them. So I guess my question for the two of you is, what do you think? Should I uh, keep worrying about trying to get l- listenership up into the thousands? And, and how do we do that? I try to get people to spread word on social media. Well, I don't know. What, what, what's your take on that? I don't think you need to worry about that because I think it's a matter of quality versus quantity. And like you're saying, people who are listening are really in into lighthouses and they're getting a lot out of it. So to me, that matters more than the number of people. I agree. I agree. I think that whether we have 200 or a thousand, as long as the people are enjoying what we're offering them, I think that's the biggest, the biggest thing. And to keep the number small, that's okay too. It just makes us more of a family. (laughs) Oh, that's a nice way of putting it. Intimate podcast. Yes. Yeah. Well, I still hope to get the numbers up. And I I, uh, I mean, to some degree, I'm not going to kill myself worrying about it. But I encourage, I, I, I appreciate people listening so much. And we've had a lot of faithful listeners from the beginning. And I really do appreciate that. But I encourage people to try to spread the word if they know other people uh, who are interested in lighthouses they think would enjoy this podcast. Tell them. Please try to spread the word on social media, Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it is. You know, we really do appreciate that, anything to spread the word. If people are members of the U.S. Lighthouse Society, uh, they get the Keeper's Log, the magazine. And I just wrote a, an editorial or a op-ed or whatever you want to call it, an, or an essay about the podcast that will be in the next issue that's coming out this spring. Uh, hopefully that'll get some more attention. There's going to be a brochure that's going to be sent out to members and to lighthouse organizations by the U.S. Lighthouse Society all about the podcast. And I really see this podcast as a way of sharing information for lighthouse organizations. For instance, uh, people involved with a, a certain lighthouse might hear an interview with somebody who is the president of an organization caring for a very similar lighthouse uh, that has had a successful restoration. And they might get ideas, you know, listening to that. Oh, that's how they did it. Uh, That's how they raised money, Uh, that type of thing. I think there's real value in that. It's my hope down the road that we can get all these podcasts transcribed uh, and uh, maybe have a searchable website. You know, people will be able to search for keywords and search all these transcriptions of the and find what they're looking for. 
I think that could be really valuable. So I think uh, we're building up a historical record of all these interviews, and I think it can have real value down the road. Right, not just the one time that, that people listen to it, mm-hmm. but long into the future. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, But I, I just think it's a very valuable way of sharing information in the Lighthouse community, and I hope people mm-hmm. realize that value. And I'd love more organizations to, to take part in it. Thank you, Michelle and Cindy. At this point, I think we're going to kind of wrap things up. And that so that does it for episode 50 of Lighthearted, our very special episode. Thank you to all our listeners. Without you, there is no podcast. We would just be idiots babbling into microphones. <laughs> Thank you to Jeff Gales, Maria Cornelius, Tom Tagg, Tom Wheeler, Kenya Almond, Rich Gales, and all the other staff and volunteers of the U.S. Lighthouse Society who have supported Lighthearted from the start. Thank you to all the guests who have been interviewed for this podcast. So far, there have been 64 guests, including preservationists, authors, lighthouse owners, tour guides, museum directors, and actors. I also want to thank filmmaker Rob Apps, who co-hosted two episodes of this podcast, and my wife, Charlotte Rezkowski, who very ably stepped in and co-hosted episode 42. Thank you, Charlotte. And we want to thank all the volunteers and staff of all the lighthouse organizations around the United States and around the world who work every day to preserve our maritime heritage. The 19th century author, Isabel Lahau Conant, once wrote, He who loves an old house never loves in vain. I think you can substitute the word lighthouse for house in that quote. Working to preserve lighthouses or any kind of historic buildings can often be frustrating and discouraging. But it's good to remember the words of the great broadcast journalist Edward R. Murrow, who said, Difficulty is the excuse history never accepts. And that famous philosopher Anonymous once said, Success in life comes when you simply refuse to give up, with goals so strong that obstacles, failure, and loss only act as motivation. On that note, thank you so much for listening, and keep a good light. Let it shine, let it shine